how a California nonprofit is bringing computer science to middle and high school students, next on the K-12 Engineering Education Podcast. I'm Pius Wong in Austin, Texas. My guest is Rosemary Kamei. Rosemary is part of the leadership team at the Silicon Valley Education Foundation, or SVEF, a nonprofit focused on equitable K-12 education. SVEF has several programs, including a newer one for K-12 computer science. I spoke with Rosemary about how the program's going, especially during the pandemic in a tech-heavy place like Silicon Valley. My name is Rosemary Kamei, and I'm the Chief Development and Innovation Officer. The Education Foundation targets STEM education, especially for students who are furthest away from access and opportunity in the Silicon Valley area. Most people think that the Silicon Valley has everything that it's need, but there are some students, some families, uh, some school districts who are certainly in need of greater access and opportunities to STEM education. Uh, You do a lot in STEM education. I like that you talked about your mission a bit. I know that there's a lot of acronyms involved in what we're going to talk about today. One of them was, of course, SVEF and also STEM education. What is STEM education for y'all? What topics, I guess, do you cover? So in our STEM education programs, that is science, technology, engineering, and math. And one of the things that we're very well known for is our math programs. We have math in uh, third grade through 10th grade, where we front load the curriculum to be able to uh, help students who are uh, just below proficiency, to be able to move them up and give them a leg up to uh, become better proficient in math. And you may ask, well, why math? Well, math has been known, especially algebra, Uh, has been known to be an indicator of future success. When you look at the studies that have been done, the studies show that if you are proficient in algebra, the thing about it is that it provides skills of critical thinking, and that has shown greater success in college and future careers. And that is exactly what we want to do to be able to help our students uh, succeed in college and future careers. Um, The other thing that we do is computer science. This was introduced Mm. a few years ago. Uh, That is an area that uh, most people think of it as just uh, coding. Well, it's more than just coding. It is a way of being able to do problem solving. Again, critical thinking and problem solving. And uh, the students in the program learn skills that are going to help them in other areas, not just coding. Hmm. And the thing is, I teach math at the local community college, so I'm all in on your math program. I actually totally agree and I see what you're saying, but I do want to focus in on CS. Uh, Here in Austin, we always are, are priding ourselves on the tech industry here and how computer science is really the backbone of a lot of the economy here, the culture here. I think it's something that maybe Silicon Valley and, and Austin shares. And one of the big problems that we see today is that there's an equity problem in CS. And I'm curious if, is this a huge issue, I guess, in Silicon Valley and in STEM education? 
Yes. As a matter of fact, the last few years, one of the things that has been highlighted is that there are very few people of color who are in many of these big tech, high tech firms. Right. And, you know, you ask yourself, well, you know, what, why is that? Well, you know, what's happening? And what we find is that you really have to start younger so that students can see themselves in those positions. Uh, One of the things that we've done with trying to address the equity issue is our Computer Science Institute programs. Uh, In 2018, the state of California brought down their standards of computer science and and the what what it would take to be able to put a program together and we actually jumped on it because we see computer science as part of the stem i mentioned that we already do a lot in terms of math and we call it elevate math but the t the e and the m i mean the science technology and engineering portion had been very small so how do we bring that up and we mm. bring that up through our computer science program where we have taken the students especially those who do not see themselves as technologists uh, who do not see themselves as taking ap computer science and open the the doors to be able to explore what it would be like to uh, do design thinking, what it would be like to uh, do computational thinking in a very different way. So we take the summer, we have a, a very intense summer program targeted to students who are low income, students who perhaps have no exposure to computer science. And we uh, we teach them design thinking. And I mean, we have a lens of design thinking and computing through a makerspace. And it, uh, it allows students to realize that, you know what, this could be for me. And um, mm-hmm. we started in seventh and eighth grade. And this year, this is our third year in our summer program. We hope to uh, have a pipeline of students, you know, sort of interested into high school, getting their certification, getting a dual credit with high school and uh, a community college uh, to be able to see themselves as future technologists. And this is in cybersecurity, Internet and other areas that perhaps has never been a thought. Wow. You said several things that I want to touch back on. First of all, the first thing I was thinking of was that's interesting that the standards that came down from California were, it seems like it was pretty pivotal, I guess, in inspiring this program. Because like you said, SVEF has done programs in STEM for 20 years, right? And yet the CS program is relatively new. I'm wondering if you could talk about how important the standards were in driving some of these CS programs. Yeah. So as we as we looked at areas, you know, in terms of our initiatives at the Silicon Valley Education Foundation that were going to be important, we saw that computer science addressed a need uh, that has uh, not been done. Many of the school districts, I mean, you would think that Silicon Valley would have this uh, done already. Right, but, right. Yeah, but, you know, it, it, it has not. So um, there have been uh, several obstacles in the way, but a lot of people 
uh, especially CS4CA, has uh, really worked on trying to address and, and highlight the importance of computer science and how computer science for the future of work, for the future of uh, our area, is going to be critical. And so when that happened in terms of, of adopting the standards, it was something that was celebrated, but only a few people were doing something about it. I think that what we see is that in the future, you're going to hear more about it because it provides the skills necessary for the jobs of tomorrow. You know, data science and other uh, emerging fields are going to be coming and we yeah. have to prepare our students for the future of tomorrow. The, the issue of equity, you know, you have to start early in middle school, in high school, in order to get those students to be able to apply for those jobs in those high-tech firms. If those skills are not adopted early, it becomes very, very difficult later on. So what we're trying to do is create a pipeline of students who can be ready for the jobs of tomorrow. And when you started your CS Institute, you said you started with those seventh and eighth graders. Why start there? I mean, I, I know obviously you said you want to start early, but so why not like kindergarten or why not uh, end of high school? Why why start this program at that middle school level? So one of the things that we did is we have a, a model that we have had a, a lot of success with, with our Elevate Math. And in mm -hmm. Elevate Math, one of the things we did is we started in middle school as a point to be able to sort of turn things around, right? Uh, in our Elevate Math program, we went to middle school, we went to high school, and then we went back down. And that's why we're down into third grade to mm -hmm. really, you know, start earlier, right? There are some school district who said, hey, you know, why don't we start this in kindergarten? Why don't we start this in first grade? And, you know, we actually think that starting some portion of it in the early grades makes sense, but the pilot really was something that we wanted to learn from, right? There really has not been much out there in terms of you know, successes or stories or uh, research in terms of looking at the whole pipeline and where is the point at which you, you know, sort of like create that success. So middle school for us made sense. And, you know, we started out with 10 classes. Last year, we, we doubled, we more than doubled. We got 22 classes. This year, we're going to have 40 classes. So, you know, mm -hmm. sort of the, you know, we keep doubling every year. It is very popular. Uh, even through the pandemic, we had to figure out how to turn a very uh, sort of like makerspace, hands-on activity to go virtual. And we did. Uh, we yeah, how, how did you do that? I, I'm so curious. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, what we had to think about is, okay, if you uh, share and collaborate and all of that, how do you put it into a, a virtual space where you can do some collaboration, where you can have the materials? Because as I said, we teach this through making and the students each had to have their own materials. So it's, it's a little bit more expensive to be able to have a virtual uh, setting, but, um, but it worked. It worked. The curriculum that we used, as well as the 
the uh, materials and the teacher professional development went quite well. Uh, so much so that uh, when the fall came around, you know, the teachers that we uh, have in our in our program, they are not computer scientists. Uh, mm-hmm. They're English teachers, social studies teachers, mm-hmm. science teachers. Wow. Um, there's no need to have computer science background. Uh, but the professional development is very deep and intense. And it was actually requested from some of the districts that they use the curriculum and the teacher professional development during the school year as a um, as an elective program or as an after school program to help students, you know, stay engaged. So we've had quite a bit of success. And again, this year we um, we've we've doubled again the number of classes that we have. And just to clarify, so as part of the Computer Science Institute, you provide professional development to teachers. Yes. So so the teachers, we hire the teachers and all the teachers are credentialed and they go through uh, about 30 plus hours of professional development. And one of the things that we have added is uh, this year we've added the element of coaching to be able to help teachers in their uh, in their classroom. So okay. uh, if you have a new teacher or a teacher who feels that oh you know I don't know about you know teaching computer science, they're going to have that support as well as the thirty hours of professional development that we do um, uh, prior to the summer classes. Got it, got it. And you mentioned a lot of technology that originally. And, and maybe still is very hands-on because when you started, of course, there was no pandemic. And I know that you use like the Raspberry Pi, you use microbits, different stuff like that. When you transitioned all of this into the pandemic era, did you have to just like distribute all this equipment to the teachers and they just sent it to kids' homes? What was the logistics of all that like? <laughs> Good question. Good question. <laughs> if, you, you know, if you know the answer. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, it. Um, the, I think that the advantage that the Silicon Valley Education Foundation really had was that we made the decision early on to go virtual. We knew that, you know, while many had not decided, okay, what are we going to do? How are we going to do it? When we made the decision to go virtual, we knew that there was going to be a distribution that needed to be addressed. Uh, we needed to uh, figure out devices, you know, and, right. and uh, making sure connectivity. It was a lot of work, but we actually <laughs> worked very closely with the school districts to identify that early. And one of the things that we do is in our enrollment, we have uh, a couple of questions that we ask ahead of time. And we ask, do you have a device? Do you have, you know, Wi-Fi? Are there things that, you know, we should, you know, we should know? So in the enrollment of the student, we try to get that information early. And then we provide sort of a, we hire uh, college mentors and college uh, teaching assistants to help us with supporting the class, with supporting technology. And that's how we sort of help with distribution. And the, and the other thing is that um, most of the times the schools that are going to be sort of the, the summer school facility, uh, we arrange with the school district to do pickup. Right. So mm. uh, in some cases, we, I guess we could have mailed it 
but it becomes very, very expensive, you know, in terms of being able to do this. And we don't charge the students, the student and the families. We actually work with many of the students who are from Title I schools. And so this is totally free of charge. We work with the school districts to identify the, the students that are high need. And so parents came and we kind of had a table and they, you know, identified themselves that they were part of the program. They pick up their, their packet and they took them home. And so I can see how, especially during COVID, that's a huge part of uh, promoting equity, making sure that everybody has access to technology. Um, I guess you can't just give people internet access or all these other things. Are there other ways that um, you could promote equity, getting more access to, say, uh, higher need students or more black students, Hispanic students, other female students? How else can you promote equity in your computer science uh, institute? Well, you know, when we when we work with school districts, they um, have the the data that tells us uh, which of the students that are higher need, uh, which are the students, you know, especially females that we can recruit. Um, so we work very closely with them to be able to um, get our um, recruitment list, to be able to sign them up for the classes. We are fortunate to have a lot of the staff who are bilingual in multiple languages, actually, uh, Spanish, Vietnamese, Chinese and uh, we're able to do a lot of outreach. Uh, I mentioned that we hire um, college mentors and uh, teaching assistants, and uh, they assist us with reaching out to parents, reminding them, letting them know that the classes are coming up. And if there are issues when they're not attending, uh, we call them up and say, you know, are you having connectivity issues? Do you need help? And so there's a lot of support that surrounds this to be able to get students to succeed. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, especially because you're in Silicon Valley, do the so-called big tech companies, are they aware of what you're doing or programs like yours? And what do they think about that? Do they care about the K-12 pipeline at this moment? Or are they more focused on, you know, we're going to hire people out of college? So that's, that's, a, that's a good question. And I would say that many of the companies that we work with, yes, they do. They really care. And um, one of the elements that we have put in both for our math program and our computer science program is what we call STEM inspiration workshops. And in these STEM, every class will have a speaker who will talk to them about real world issues, how they ended up in the career that they're in, so that they have students have examples of uh, how computer science, how math, how technology is able to uh, equate to a profession, a job in the future, uh, to make that kind of connection. And we allow students to have dialogue with our speakers uh, or presenters to be able to get that understanding. Uh, and even Students in, in uh, elementary, middle school, they ask a lot of good questions. Mm -hmm. And we want them to start thinking about these things because if you don't have anyone in your circle, in your family, uh, who is an engineer, who's a technologist, who is in data science, who's a scientist, um, this allows at least some exposure for the students to think about 
And you know, it's 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 a process. It may take a a, a few times to be able to say, "Hey, I want to be a scientist. Mm-hmm. I want to be a mathematician. I want to be a teacher that teaches math because this is fun." And um, we do have uh, pre and post surveys that we do to be able to. Uh, gain information from the students, from the teachers, from the parents uh, to give us feedback on uh, our program. So um, the other thing about access um, and having it, you know, like kind of looking at it from an equity lens, one of the things that we did last year was to introduce uh, in Northern California an expansion of what we call the school to home program, where we go into a high need a school, and we provide support for the principal, teachers, and a, a team of teachers to be able to do digital literacy, because it wasn't enough just to uh, say to um, a student, "Oh, here you go. Here's a a mm-hmm. a, a, a hotspot. Uh, here's a computer." Um, if you don't have the ability to have the digital literacy to to maximize its use. And so uh, our school to home program is something that uh, last year it was two schools, this year it's gonna be four schools. And it is looking at the entire school to be able to to, uh, look at how we can increase the, the literacy of the students, the teachers, the parents, and parents are also involved in uh, these training sessions. And this whole issue of access to to broadband, access to technology is something that we are um, beginning to highlight more and more. Um, And um, this month and next month, we have an initiative at the Silicon Valley uh, Education Foundation to be able to address uh, these broadband issues. And, um, you know, I think that the pandemic sort of revealed the big digital divide. So right. um, we're going to we're going to have a um, a panel discussion on May 27th to be able to talk about, uh, you know, what has been done at the federal level, what has been done at the uh, state level, local level, uh, at the community level to address uh, digital, di- the digital divide, right? Because it is huge. I mean, you think Silicon Valley wouldn't have any issues, but there are certain mm-hmm. zip codes that, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's unfortunate, but um, it exists uh, even in our backyard. And who have been good allies for SVEF or your students? For example, here in Texas, if there are other programs, schools or nonprofits who want to do a similar initiative and create their own version of a computer science summer program or something, uh, who should they look to to get support? Well, you know, one of the things that I think uh, was very helpful is that we have great relationships with our school districts. And uh, when we introduced this, they partnered right away. Uh, So I would say, you know, in terms Mm -hmm. of being able to um, work closely with your school districts to be able to do that. The other thing is that um, here uh, we have a Silicon Valley STEM ecosystem where uh, there is STEM ecosystems throughout the nation. Uh, and I'm sure in Texas, they would have that as well. 
Um, And looking at those who are most involved in STEM, we have partners with corporations who are very, very interested in being able to promote STEM education. And they provide the financial support to be able to uh, get students in this pipeline because they realize that they're going to need um, future employees who have these skills. And it would be great to go in your own backyard to be able to do it. Uh, You know, companies such as Cisco, PwC, they see the future of being able to have that pipeline and to increase equity. The, The thing is that if you don't have that pipeline of students, as I said earlier, it's hard to be able to see it when they're, you know, like out of college. And I think that one of the distinctions in our program for the Computer Science Institute is that we want students to have a choice, right? I mean, for the longest time, everyone was talking about go to college, go to college, go to college. And yes, I think it's wonderful to be able to go to college. But If we have our students coming out of high school with a certification in cybersecurity, in internet, in the internet of things, in uh, other technology fields, they have a skill and the option of being able to have that even before college. So, you know, I know that in my case, I had to work through all my four years of college. You're going to get a better position, a better job if you have those skills already. Right. Mm. And so we want our students who are uh, furthest away from access and opportunity to be able to have those skills and have them early so that they have choices. What does success look like for your computer science programs this next summer or in the future? How will you measure if the program is doing what you want, if it's being equitable enough, if it's teaching enough kids? So, you know, in terms of of equity, we look at the students who need it the most, right? And, And we're working on identifying with the school districts to be able to help those students. So that's number one. The other thing is success for us is um, going to take some time because what we want to see is that the pipeline is going to grow and be successful, that students actually get those certifications, those skill building. Um, We want students to open that door to the possibility of being a technologist. And you notice I don't say engineer or mm-hmm. specific <laughs> to anything or computer yeah. scientist. We want them to be technologists of the future, right? And so to me, if we can have a student say, hey, you know, I can, I can work on websites. I don't mind doing a little bit of coding. I can do these other things that perhaps they never would have even thought of, you know, as a as a future uh, a skill or a future career. Uh, I think that to me, that is success. It's interesting. You talk about it in the way that uh, sometimes music educators will talk about music or art teachers will talk about art, that they want students to be able to play music or create art. And in this case, we want people to create technology or use technology, and it doesn't necessarily have to be what they quote unquote do for the rest of their life. Is that 
a fair characterization? You know, it's a skill that you can build upon, right? I mean, I I think that I consider myself a lifelong learner. And uh, when you're able to have the ability or the knowledge of how to solve problems, you know, I started Mm. this by saying that computer science, uh, in our view, is how to solve problems, right? And if you can do that, it opens many doors in many different careers. Uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think that it is, it is a skill that everyone should have. Mm. I like how you mentioned that you want to be, or you consider yourself a lifelong learner. I'm curious, how did you get into STEM education? Was that a career you always were in? No, my, (laughs) and, and, you know, see, this is, this is part of being a lifelong learner. Right. So um, I went to to school at the University of Wisconsin, Madison, and I was a um, political scientist. Right. Mm. But I always was interested in many different things. So my curiosity, I'm a curious person. So I like to know how things work. I like to be able to uh, uh, see things in many different lights. I like a lot of things. And so when I became the uh, vice president at the Silicon Valley Education Foundation of Innovation, one of the areas that was very exciting for me was to be able to open up this this and start this program in computer science. And to me, it became very, very natural because of the whole idea of problem solving. You're definitely in the right place at the right time. So, and I guess I should have asked earlier, I know that we've already spoken for a while, but I'm wondering if you could talk just a little bit about who are the students and families in your community? Can you describe Silicon Valley or, or the students that you're serving? Yeah. So um, we have uh, many of our uh, school districts uh, that we work with who have over 55% free and reduced uh, lunch meals. And there's, a, there's an area in San Jose, East San Jose, that has the highest concentration of Latinos, uh, Vietnamese, African-American. You know, I mean, that is the community that we work with. When you look at the demographics of the of the county in which we work, uh, and actually we work in several counties because we work in the Bay Area as well, but mm-hmm. you can see that some school districts are high wealth so that there are enough resources to be able to give the students a lot of electives, a lot of uh, enrichment programs. And then there are school districts who are in a less affluent and really poor, poor area where the per pupil spending doesn't sufficiently support what is needed for those students. Uh, in California, the uh, local control funding formula changed uh, a few years ago to be able to give more dollars to some of those areas of high need. But you know, I mean, I think that the whole discussion of equity is huge because there are many different issues in those community, in different communities that cannot be addressed. Or, you know, I mean, in our area, homelessness has become a huge issue. Um, and uh, in the pandemic, it's even gotten exacerbated. 
I know that there's a lot of federal dollars that are going to be coming to the community as well as state dollars coming to, to the community to uh, be able to address the, a lot of the, the learning loss. Uh, mm. But in addition to the learning loss, there are homeless students, there are students who have food insecurity, there are a myriad of other issues that need to be addressed. Uh, how can people find out more about the Silicon Valley Education Foundation uh, or your CS Institute? I would really like people to go to our website at svefoundation.org, and you can get information about our programs. You can get information about about us, as well as um, you know, contact us at development at svef.org. All right, thanks. And you said there was an event next uh, week, actually, but by the time this episode airs, it might be like exactly when it's happening. But do you have like a link or, or any information about that event on the 27th? Yes, it's also on our website and we okay. will provide uh, a, a link to the um, uh, to view it um, so that there will be a possibility to view it after the event. Mm, and okay. uh, this whole issue of the digital divide, um, we are spending the entire month of June to highlight the issue because we know that we're not the only ones in Silicon Valley having this issue. I'm sure that mm -hmm. many other areas and your listeners can also uh, see what other areas uh, are concerned about the digital divide. And we now are operating, whether it's, you know, our healthcare, you know, you can't do telehealth without access to broadband, right? Or a computer. Mm -hmm. uh, you cannot do, um, you know, many of the things that we need to do. I mean, how are you going to have our students continue online learning without uh, broadband? And so it's a big question mark as to those who are able to access information and those who cannot. So I think that it is something that we are very concerned about. And I know a lot of other communities are concerned about it. And so they can um, come listen, as well as uh, I think that we'll probably have other things happening uh, to be able to um, discuss and address these issues. All right, Rosemary Kamei, thank you so much for joining the podcast. I really appreciate your time and your programs. Well, thank you so much, Pius. I really appreciate having the opportunity to speak with you and your audience. That was Rosemary Kamei, CDO of the Silicon Valley Education Foundation. Find links to SVEF and their event about the digital divide in the show notes for this episode. The K-12 Engineering Education Podcast is sponsored by my creative studio, Pios Labs in Austin, Texas, where I consult on engineering and education, making podcasts, programming educational technology, training professionals, and more. Follow Pios Labs on the internet to learn more. That's P-I-O-S-L-A-B-S. This podcast is possible thanks to Grade A Plus people donating to the show on Patreon each month. Help me continue the podcast. Donate to the show at patreon.com slash pioslabs. Also, if you leave a review of the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to the show, that would greatly help people find this podcast too. 
Find the podcast website for show notes, links, transcripts, and more. Go online to k12engineering.net. That's K, the number 12, engineering.net. Thank you, listener, and until next time.